2: Which in itself seems like a super, like, queer female reason to know, <laughs> like, yeah. we yeah. just moved to Albuquerque instead.
1: Yeah. Closer
2: to the vortex. We're heading
3: north.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, wait.
3: That's south. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't finish high school, so. <laughs> hey, if you go
4: north enough, you end up south, right? right, yeah, right. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Just, we're not flat earthers here. Yeah. What is
2: direction anyway? <laughs> right? If you wanted geography, you were the wrong. wrong podcast. <laughs>
0: I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together, see what it's all about.
4: Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that can and will be held against us in future employment opportunities. <laughs> I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Sarah York. And today we are diking Out with Chicago comedian Shannon Knoll about top surgery. Shannon is the creator and lead in Just Call Me Ripley, an original series on OTV. And I also got to perform on an amazing queer comedy show with them in Chicago called Baby Wine, which happens Every Friday night? Yeah, every Friday night. At the Annoyance Theater. And what a great show. That was, so I I had just been doing like a four city mini tour thing and had, I mean, that show was my favorite show that I had done.
3: I'm so glad. That was a super fun one and you like killed it. The energy in the room
4: was crazy. It felt so good to be on stage there. There were a bunch of listeners who showed up, including. Uh a recent listener <laughs> yeah. question submission and this made me so happy, the Butch Maid of Honor. Yeah. And I walked in and she was like, Hey, it's me, the Butch Maid of Honor. I'm like, Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> that was I need awesome. to yes. Yeah, so I met her and her wife and uh, you know, she didn't hate us for for our advice. Yeah. She agreed. She just needs to suck it up and wear that ugly yeah. bow tie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Let us know. send us a photo of the bow tie, please. Yes, yes, I did forget to ask for
4: for pictures, but there were a bunch of uh, listeners there that night, which I also want to say, uh, all the listeners who came out. To all of my shows uh, Thank you so much It means so much to me mm-hmm. It was so great to meet All of you Some of you drove In Chicago specifically uh, There were a couple Who drove from Indianapolis From like
3: Southside Like three hours oh, wow. That's that was s- amazing Yeah That was so cool That was such a fun audience That night So yeah. also thank you For coming to Baby Wine Because yeah. that was One of our most fun shows Yeah It was
4: such a fun show And I am really bad At watching improv now I used to <laughs> do improv, and once I started doing stand up, it got really hard for me to keep doing improv because uh-huh. it got harder for me to watch improv. Caveat here: improv is great when it's good, yeah. And when it's not, when good, it's good, it's amazing. It's very hard to watch. So whenever I do a show where I'm doing stand up on an
3: improv show. I usually leave right after my son. A hundred percent understandable. I do the same thing. Okay. I yeah. teach improv and I can't watch it.
4: I I don't even know how you
3: teach improv. To me,
4: teaching improv is like the worst job you could
3: possibly have. Really doing God's work out there. you, know, yeah. you got. There's a bunch of white guys who have to get out of their mom's basement once yeah.
4: a night. Oh my God. E- every time I'm in a cl- improv class, I just think, how does this teacher not blow their brains out like this is just seems like psychological torture um but all that being said baby wine is a great fucking team Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I it. Loved was it was so much fun to watch. Oh, cool. And also, I Cecilia was there. I had some friends who just also happened to be in town uh, who came out to the show and some other family friends who came to the show, and everybody had a blast. So this has turned into a big promotion for Baby Wine. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Chicago, come on, on out. Yeah.
3: Annoyance Theater. <laughs> it was great. But yeah,
4: all, all of the listeners who came out to all the shows, thank you so much. And even had some listeners come out to a recent show I did in New York City you guys are great and warm my heart. And also thank you to all of our listeners because, as you know, last week was our 100th episode with Margaret Cho. Yeah. And now I can finally talk about pooping in her bathroom,
2: yeah. which is beautiful. <laughs> this oh, has oh,
3: been man. a whole thing. What? Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, sometimes when I get nervous, I I'm the same way. Yeah, we went to Margaret Cho's house, wow, in Glendale and in LA to perform, to record. Yes. with her, that's
3: amazing. It's a I did not use home. the
2: restroom there. I used it twice. I was nervous. I, didn't, yeah, I was like, like. I don't want to. because like, like I felt like I was sitting strangely because all the furniture was the very furniture low was to the very, ground. <laughs> yeah, it was this weird couch that looked like a. It didn't look like it didn't look like a couch. It was. It was a, like if you ran a dream, it would be playing your couch. It was sort of.
3: It was like a. It was assuming dolly couch. the role of a
2: couch, yeah. But it was you had to sit kind of low, and I'm six feet tall, and I'm just like a lumbering fool, so I sat in this weird position. And I didn't want to move. I was like, okay, I can't. I sh- I shouldn't move in Margaret Cho's house. Like I can't just get up and walk.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I what if you there. broke Margaret Cho's tiny couch? Stupid.
2: Yeah. Like I don't know. What if I fall and like I don't know. It was it was a whole thing. So I yeah. just sat there in a frozen position. And then when we got up to leave, my knees were like. Oh my God, everything hurt. It was the worst. But it was great.
4: It was so much fun. I mean, it
2: was great, it but just, my knees yeah, are gone now. Aside from my, now. my aching body, it was
4: great. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of great feedback about that episode. And she's just such a she's naturally amazing. fun and yeah. funny person and very gracious. And that was
2: very awesome yeah. for her
4: to have us in her home
2: to do that. And it was a big life moment. For, yeah. I, I remember it being like you know, 11, 12 and watching her comedy central half hours that she would have. And I'm just, and just being obsessed. I was, I could not get enough comedy from women at that age, mostly because there were like only three comics basically. Right. Right. So when I, so when they were on TV, I remember being so, Just enthralled by it. And she was for sure one of those like early idols. So it was really fucking surreal.
4: And like I mentioned, she was the only one talking about same sex desire. Yeah. At least being a woman, you know. Yeah. And she was Wanda, Rosie, Ellen, none of them were talking about that. And she was like, I want to fucking eat Beyonce's pussy. Yeah. You know?
3: (laughs) And she, it was so cool to see her do that at a time when like you couldn't find anybody else to relate to. Yeah. I don't know. She was such like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like she probably saved a bunch of
2: people. You know, she probably yeah, could. yeah,
4: so great. Uh, and and I still know people who talk about the one season show she had, mm-hmm. All American Girl, which was like the first show starring like you know, an Asian family, an Asian American yeah. family, yeah. and uh, like just dispelling like a lot of rumors and mm-hmm. stereotypes and things like that. So that was great. A, a couple other quick announcements: our next show at Stonewall is going to be October. 28th, uh, and also recently discovered that our spam filter had been catching any email that was sent through our website. So, oh, if great. you had a listener question <laughs> uh, and you send it cool through feature.
3: our website, <laughs> I know <very laughs> you
4: know this is still a very <laughs> DIY podcast. This brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And yeah, we don't we don't have a webmaster or anything. Yeah. It's just us, and uh, figure this out. So as I was looking through the spam filter, which clears out every thirty days uh-huh. or so, there were a bunch of listener questions. I'm like, oh no, how many listener questions have we sent? So if you send a listener question through the website and not to dikingout at gmail. Mm-hmm com Maybe resend that if we didn't answer it, and you still have that problem in your life. Yeah, we're happy to answer it now. Just you know, email if you're us still again. Still frustrated
2: by running into your girlfriend's exes. Which yeah, seems to be the universal theme of. Is like that every, the main? Or,
4: or no, the, a few. The most themes. common one is how do I make gay friends, or how yes. you, how uh, do I meet yeah. women?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, which yeah. isn't
4: that always the question right yeah like. I think that's just
3: the eternal question yeah
4: yeah
3: I don't know we're trying to figure it out until yeah. we get our own fire island yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um
4: oh man we haven't recorded in 20 days because we did mm-hmm. three episodes in LA so lots of ground to cover here a couple of corrections as we are often wrong on this podcast about <laughs> things and get a lot of emails Canadians apparently. I do love Dan Levy?
2: <laughs> I yeah yeah I noticed that in the inbox. Wait, is it Levy or Levy? I think it's Levy. Levy. Eugene Levy is how I've always pronounced okay. his name. The
4: original thing came from Jess Solomon posted uh-huh. something that was like had dinner with six Canadians and was relieved to be at a table full of people who agree that Dan Levy isn't shit. You know? Oh
2: okay. I love him. So maybe
4: and then all these people were piling on with comments being like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. But every listener. So you took that and
2: you ran. I took
4: that and I ran. <laughs> You're like, and all our, Canadians. I've gotten
3: the Canadian yeah. consensus here. We <laughs> all from- know there's only twelve Canadians.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was sending I was sending screenshots back to these listeners. I'm like, take it up with Jess. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> Did you get all of Canada coming after you? Yeah. All, of,
4: all of Canada came after me. They, they started base. with an apology. They were like,
2: "Sorry," but sorry. actually,
3: we love Dan Levy. Sorry in the
2: subject line. Yeah,
3: it's just all their names are a boot. Yeah, <laughs> now you're gonna get more hate mail. I'm sorry.
4: I feel oh like as God. a Canadian, I'm I get a pass. You do get, yeah. You're at least story, you are, even though I don't say it that I'm way. I'm from anymore. Nebraska,
2: which is the Canada of the U.S. So <laughs> that's true. I don't know. Yeah.
4: And then the other correction, which I should have made episodes ago, we had a question, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 episodes ago about dental dams. hmm And I said- I recall. And I had done some Googling and said, if need be, you can use saran wrap. And then a bunch of people were like, do not use saran wrap. <laughs> but there are articles that say that it works well it does, enough. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, what they said made a lot more sense is that actually if you really want to use a dental dam but you can't buy them or they're too expensive just get a condom and cut it.
2: Oh, okay. And use that.
4: And you can do that. Yeah. And that's the same thing. All right. And that's better than okay. saran wrap yeah. so for anyone who is just in a mess of saran wrap and it got just cling wrap all over their face no. <laughs> and are like suffocating
2: themselves
4: like, damn you Carolyn and Sarah <laughs> <laughs> they've got like cuts on their fingers from yeah. trying to tear it off
2: because the packaging is scary on saran wrap I always cut myself on foil and saran you know like the scary oh, yeah, it's knife very intense it's like that's cardboard a weapon. with
3: cardboard with a blade on it yeah, is it just, disturbing just, it's it seems,
2: like, yeah. it seems like it shouldn't be there. Who needs yeah. to own a gun when you have a yeah. door full, <laughs> full of wraps oh with
3: serrated blades? It can yeah. both suffocate and cut. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just as a gentle reminder, though, we are not now. an authority on uh, anything like even tangentially medically related. So Ask your gynecologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Someone has like face crabs. Yeah.
3: <morning>. Little known fact, all saran wrap is covered in crabs. That's funny. Oh,
4: no. Uh, (laughs) All right. So those are the only corrections I have thus far. (laughs) Also some hot gossip. Yes. It's not really hot gossip, but it's fun gossip. It's fun New York City gossip that you might not know about. There is a show in New York, a comedy show called Your Love, Our Musical, put on by Rebecca Vigel and Evan Kaufman. And it's a very fun improvised musical show that they pull a couple out of the audience and they hear about their story, their love story, and then they make a musical about it. Oh, that's cute. The couple who came out at their last show, Ashley Benson and Cara Delevingne.
2: (gasps) Really, Really? and they didn't
4: know about it. They were just in the audience.
2: Oh, they're in for a surprise! And then they got
4: (laughs) and they got picked out, and they made a whole musical, and they talked about what uh, (laughs) sex parties that they've been to together. So they—that's great. They're wild.
3: Wow, they're very much in love. Quick question: Uh, Who's Ashley Benson? (gasps) I Pretty Little Liars. Okay. I didn't know. I, she's one of
2: the liars, and she's <laughs> she is pretty and super little, <laughs> little tiny she's liars, five full of, of secrets one and full of shit. <laughs> uh,
3: sounds great. Sign me up. She
4: was straight identifying until she was Cara Delevingne, which happens to oh yeah, many, to the best of us. Um, Cara,
3: Cara Delevingne proving all stereotypes correct. Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, but this has been, I think. Kara DelVine's, like, most significant relationship that she's well, had. It's,
2: yeah, it's been longer than a few weeks, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She hasn't been photographed in LAX with a different girl yet, yeah. so I
3: don't know. I don't know. Have they gone to a basketball game <laughs> yet together? Then I it's think official. they might have.
2: WNBA, they're engaged.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did move that that sex bench into
3: their house they together. Did, so which felt already... to me
2: like an engagement ring, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
3: As long uh, as it's new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly.
4: <laughs> it's good to know that they're supporting the local comedy scene. I know. That's
2: really special. I love that. If you're
4: listening, Kara or Ashley, come to our next Stonewall show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So That's great. That's that. Uh, I know there was something you wanted to talk about, There Sarah. is something
2: I want to talk about. So this isn't going to seem because everything goes so quickly in like the world of Twitter this won't seem super topical although it kind of is since SNL premiered last night for the 45th season i believe it was yeah um mm-hmm. but the 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 Shane Gillis thing the guy that uh basically had the job with SNL lost it 10 seconds later that because brave
4: comedy that, war yeah, pushing that boundaries fucking, of the what needs edgy, to be said telling it
2: like it is in a super caricature racist accent uh he is a noted piece of shit but anyway um obviously you guys all know the story but he it was discovered you know that uh less than a year ago he was saying some incredibly racist things about specifically about Asian people, yeah. um, on a podcast.
4: Sometimes I have to remember that we do have listeners all around the
2: world. Right. So, And also we have to remember the, that not everyone lives on Twitter like I do. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Sometimes. So thank you for explaining. You're not completely steeped in pop culture minutiae like I am. But um, yeah, so basically, you know, there are a lot of things were uncovered about his, I'm not, I'm not going to use the word, it's not comedy, but like the things that he says aloud. Uh, are really shitty and terrible and unfunny and racist and bad. And he lost a big job opportunity, which a lot of people like to equate with having their lives ruined, which is so interesting when men lose a big job that they shouldn't have had to begin with. Everyone's like, you're ruining this man's life. Yeah. He just got passed up for a promotion. Everyone, you know. It's not a big like deal, like as if
3: that's his destiny. Like, yeah, he, like they like, like interrupted his God-given right, yeah,
2: to be <laughs> yeah. on fucking SNL, right? Um, and you know, and the fact that he was hired alongside Bowen Yang, who, as we know, is the first Asian cast member, period, in forty-five seasons. Yeah. So that's that was, uh, and he's gay. he's openly gay as well, and he's talented, which makes him even more different than Shane Gillis. So <laughs> to have the juxt- juxtaposition there was really 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 just shocking in itself what i want to talk about though is the fallout within the comedy community specifically like the hyper sort of there's there are really small pockets of the new york comedy scene i'm sure this it's i'm sure chicago has this as well yeah of uh just really shitty toxic dudes who sort of find a home in specific kind of pockets of comedy here um and more importantly, they find enablers in women comics who uh, surround them and cheer for them and seem to love them because of their bullshit, and not in spite of it. And uh, we, you know, and I and I've in so sort of this this Shane Gillis thing because of a specific uh, group that he kind of rolls with. Um, it kind of it it became really obvious really quickly who the shitty women were mm. in the community because a couple of them basically just kind of fucking burned a lot of bridges on behalf of whatever relationship they have with this man. Even if it's, I don't even know if it's like a personal relationship, but I'm talking about the women who are the ones, the first ones, the first and the loudest to step up and defend these dudes and say things like, well, it's just jokes. Like, oh, we can't censorship PC culture. And then basically just regurgitating the same fucking Joe Rogan, talking points yeah, that yeah. all these guys do. And then to dig your heels in and wonder why no women fucking trust you and why maybe women in comedy are unfollowing you and aren't your friend or whatever. It's like, well then why are you, you are the one that's so desperate to be this guy's girl and step up and defend this guy. And then you wonder why there's social fallback from that.
4: And, and that they care more about this guy's right to be openly racist without yeah. consequences yeah. Then they care about Bowen Yang's right to feel comfortable in the in workplace. In a workplace. This
2: right. is a fucking so office it, job at the end of the if day. If you're making right. this
4: argument saying, well, this is for the good of comedy, I think what's more important for the good of comedy is that people can finally start working in comedy without mm-hmm. feeling fucking harassed yeah. or oppressed or working yeah. on a regular people, basis. working
2: side by side with people who actively hate them because yeah. that is what, what Shane Gillis was saying specifically when he was on that clip that was, that was going around on the podcast, he was saying things that are not funny at all in any fucking sense of the word, but are aggressive and just plain racist. Like why does Bowen Yang have to work with someone like that?
3: He also had homophobic stuff on there too. So it's like, like no one was off limits. Cause 'cause
2: that, that edgy white male brand of comedy is like, well, I'm just saying, you know, nothing's off limits. like, yeah, you're off limits though because you're the only fucking person in this whole scenario who is not actively discriminated against at all times by every fucking corner of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The the thing that frustrates
4: me about it is that it was the whole incident was being equated with cancel culture. uh And there have been a lot of think pieces written about this that will probably say this a lot smarter than me, but it definitely wasn't a case of cancel culture. And there is... Uh, I do think that sometimes things are a little bit crazy nowadays where we're going back through people's tweets or things Uh that people did, you know, 10 years ago that they have since apologized for and that you can clearly tell that it was an attempt at humor Uh that definitely doesn't hold up and they have sincerely apologized and then were like, doesn't matter. They're canceled. Like yeah. that's a problem. People need room to like grow. Comedy does not hold up over time. Like no. watch right right watch watch any, any, any of from Adam Sandler's movies. Yeah yeah. Watch, <laughs> watch Revenge Even the now Yeah yeah.
2: Movies he made a year ago aren't holding up. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
4: and <laughs> you know, so there has to kind of be a, a difference between that and just being like. Oh, this I mean, like, person oh, you is said a, a sp-
2: racist fucking thing eight months ago and come didn't on, and
4: didn't apologize and don't no. see anything wrong with it. That's not cancel culture. That's just someone that's you someone don't not need getting a job because they're also, being a
2: yeah, yeah. From a
3: business standpoint, why would SNL want him to work for them at that point? Right, because he's creating so much like bad press around it.
2: And as it turns out, we find out later that he was hired to begin with specifically because Lauren Michaels wanted to appeal to conservative.
3: Oh, a hundred percent. so yeah, he was
2: yeah, sure. an affirmative action hire, really. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Also, if they wanted a straight white man, like, I know so many straight white men who auditioned for SNL this year that are 100% more qualified and also more pleasant to work with. Exactly. Yeah.
2: There are good ones out there. And it's just like, ugh. But specifically, though, the thing that really pissed me off about the the social media, like, about kind of watching people show their asses in real time was that it, it, to me, it reminded me of this bigger problem and this thing that I've noticed forever, which is the whole guy's girl phenomena.
4: Yeah. Mm. Like,
2: and of course I'm speaking in in very binary terms right now, but like generally what I mean by that is like cis women, often straight women, but in this case, not, not so. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Who just, who act as like, who kind of do that, like I'm a cool girl thing with to appeal to men. But in every time and in, in doing that, they, are always diminishing themselves. They always they basically they basically co-sign all of the the misogynistic, racist, homophobic bullshit that men do just to appear as the cool girl. It's that pick-me shit that I cannot stand when women absolutely just when women essentially turn on other women to appeal to men. So what this was was a case of
4: and i don't think they they would ever admit that that's
2: they would never admit it, it but that's exactly what they're doing they're right. just pick-me's. that's it yeah. you're nothing more than that and 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 the whole guys girl thing specifically when it comes to let's say the new york comedy scene when you are when you are actively making excuses for these men and acting as their foot soldiers not only are you just shooting yourself in the foot in the long term and you're destroying relationships in the long term with women or and 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 just good people in general who could who would otherwise benefit you down the road. These men, like when you, when women, when women like the people I'm referring to sacrifice all of their, their reputation and everything to stand up for shitty men, you have to understand those men are never going to repay you for this effort. Like, I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth five minutes or one private text of them being like, Hey, thanks for standing up for me (laughs) to completely burn the bridge with like every funny person in New York. Yeah. Like I hope that I hope the dick was worth it, girl, because <laughs> <laughs> you like it just it really really infuriates me. There is no return on investment. Like men in comedy have the lowest ROI of an, of a relationship with them. <laughs> men will never ever ever give you any kind of return on digging your heels in and protecting them. They're never going to protect you. They're never going to give you a job. They're never going to tweet on your behalf. They're never going to come to your defense when what you call cancel culture is coming after you. You're just fucked. Like you're giving and giving and giving and you're not going to get anything back in that relationship. You'd be so much better off actually like looking at the things that they say and thinking about them critically. And I'm sorry, but like you'd be better off making creative partnerships and friendships with anyone else, but these toxic dudes Mm -hmm. yet. It's the same fucking women, a very short list who repeatedly Stand up and act like, and are in that sort of contrarian. Like, well, it's just what are we going to do? What are we going to censor next? Like, this is comedy. This is just how it is. No, it's fucking not. It's not funny. And really, what all you're doing in the long term is just torpedoing any future relationship you have with with any good person in this business. Like, it's such a short life cycle that people have. You know, in terms of like careers and everything, and. I just I cannot imagine throwing away all my credibility for some fucking loser that you met at a comedy festival or that you run in some circle with and and then turning around and being you know really indignant about it in return. Like, well, is it are you unfollowing me because of this? Yeah, I fucking am, because you're annoying and stupid, and I'm sick and tired of seeing your fucking your like racist apologist, you know, tweets and stuff. And yeah. people really told on themselves in this. And I just feel like the the broader problem with what with what she did and what a couple actually have more than one woman that we, that we know in comedy did is kind of show their ass for the entire world for what I know will be absolutely zero return for it. Yeah. Because like I said, there's very low ROI on relationships with men in comedy specifically because they always pull the ladder up behind them. They're going to slam that door shut behind them. And any other metaphor you can think of the bottom line is they're never, ever, ever going to return that energy that you're giving them. And you you have basically just blown it in front of everybody. And I don't fucking feel sorry for you at all.
4: The other thing, too, is that in one of the podcast things that they unearthed from Shane Gillis was him and his co-host who... Uh, I couldn't tell you his name. If I don't even know. They're offered all the me a same. million dollars. Right. <laughs> uh, dipshit
2: racist white boy. Yeah, how many of those Matt are there? or Shane. Yeah, yeah. The Matt's and the Shane's and the Josh's. Who fucking cares? Uh,
4: they were talking about, I guess, this list of like top comedians. You know, there's always those lists that come out every uh-huh. couple of months from different sources. And uh, it was like comedians you have to watch or something. And none of them were cis white men. Yeah. Cis straight white men. Yeah. And then they started ranking... Uh, Funniest comedians, kind of like top of the pyramid based on gender, race, and sexuality. And surprise, surprise, they put white men at the top and then they put white women at the bottom.
2: Uh-huh. So it's so like... So I hope you enjoy being at the bottom of their little fucking list. Yeah, girl. these guys don't even think <laughs> yeah, they're funny. Yeah, these are the same fuckers. <laughs> the, these guys you're defending are the same ones who say in in complete honesty and earnesty that women aren't funny. Yeah. So even though you aren't that funny, like the fact that they are saying that <laughs> is, is pretty indicative of where they stand as far as your career. So I highly doubt they're going to pull any strings for you in the future. This This, everything that you've done... All this caping for them is for absolutely nothing. So enjoy it.
4: Another really disappointing thing, um, which I know he's been kind of controversial in the past, is this gay comedian, Tim Dillon, who is actually very funny. Okay, I've seen him perform. He's a very funny guy, but he's always kind of been like, middle of the line
2: politically and kind of mm, like a white says, gay centrist. You don't yeah. say. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, the boot judge of comedy.
3: I love yeah. it. Looking aside uh, with the oppressor.
4: Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever
2: works. Yeah.
4: But this thing really had him cross over to the, yeah. Just being like, Oh, hope you're all fucking happy. You losers. Like yeah. I really am fucking getting, happy. Getting, yeah. And I've
2: still never heard of you, Tim Dillon. Yeah.
4: And then uh, Tim Dillon actually mocked a non-binary comic, James Tyson, for putting together a list of non-toxic open mics and was just reaming them and taking James to task for creating this list. So James went to an open mic, one that I go to somewhat frequently Uh and felt very unsafe because they were wearing more feminine clothing. Yeah. And the guys in the room started making fun of James for what they were wearing. And it made them like feel at very. at what unsafe. point is
2: comedy indistinguishable from a fucking junior high locker room? Literally. No. it's a, Like, oh, all the men in the room you. were making fun of someone for being different. Yeah, Shocker. I think
3: the wild thing is that all of... Like, the argument with all these guys is like, oh, well, like, Carlin did it, and, like, Lenny Bruce did it, and it's like, they didn't. They were punching no. up. They were talking They always about, punched up. Yeah, yeah, they were not making fun of people who were, like, uh, more disadvantaged yeah. than ever. Yeah. I mean, probably at some point. It was, I mean, Lenny Bruce you know, was
2: basically making fun of, like, politicians and shit that got him, like, dragged off of stages because he was... And I'm sure he had a lot of faults, obviously, but like he was always punching up to authority. And George Carlin would have fucking hated all of you piss boy neckbeards in every comedy club <laughs> who thinks you're so fucking edgy for being racist. He would have absolutely destroyed every one of you, and he did often in his in his comedy. There's a there's a clip circulating right now of him talking to Larry King, I want to say, in 1990 about the difference between punching up and punching down, and why one is funny and one is not. Yeah, when he yeah. was talking about Andrew Dice Clay, so. That's that's what we're talking about here. All you're doing is punching punching down is never, ever funny. Well, it's just so not easy. good. It's, it's so fucking easy and so stupid.
4: And Tim and other comedians have been uh, like, oh, if you need a safe space in comedy, you're not a real comic. Or you're like, good luck, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, they're, they're like, good luck doing a, a room, a, a club room in Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania. I'm like, I am not concerned about doing a club in Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania, I could start making farting noises with my armpits and get a laugh there. Yeah. Yeah. You come to Stonewall and make a room full of Dykes laugh. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. And and, And, and tell you what,
2: Dykes have a hard time making a room full of Dykes (laughs) Hell Yeah, that is the toughest crowd in the world. Everyone Uh, who's done comedy in front of them agrees. Our our
4: audience at Stonewall, I will say, is exceptional. And you you guys are great laughers. And thank you for, for coming. But- uh, outside of the Stonewall show, I will say the toughest shows I've had have been rooms that are predominantly queer women. It's yeah. the toughest
2: audience to do comedy what it is in front they're of. So hard. So it's not. They're surrounded by their exes. They're having a terrible <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah,
3: <laughs> they're all uncomfortable. The dogs at home, and they the don't do- know if it's getting
2: into dog- stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cat needs a specific medicine regimen, and they're off of the regimen right now. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Their thyroid might be acting up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's great. uh, Anyway, I just, that's like the whole guys, girl shit is what I had to address. It's so fucking annoying. It's so boring. Get over your, like, just get, stop. you. I don't know why you're so digmatized by these dudes. And I'm not saying that in like a sexual tense. I really mean like, what is it about men approving of you that makes you just absolutely fuck up every other possible relationship in your life? I hope you figure that out. That's all I'm going to fucking say about her.
4: Uh, I like how it became She's like a, listen to this, a general discussion and then became very targeted. <laughs> well,
2: sorry. You know who you are.
4: Oh, I feel like I'm the one who's going to get text messages on this then one.
2: Give her my fucking number. <laughs> Just be like the it's- only reason she DM me is because she doesn't have my phone number. I'm sure she would have texted me, too. Yeah. And I left it on. Uh, so I, in Twitter, like if someone DMs you that you don't follow, you can have the option of like allowing so, like, oh, I just yeah. didn't allow it. Yeah. So, she, it will show up as like unread on her end. And I'm sure it drives her crazy. Yeah. That's my
3: favorite feature is allowing yeah. messages to come through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my,
4: my paranoia is that all the people I reach out to for this podcast oh, are yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to allow this one in. Yeah. I'm like, damn
3: it. I'm just like, well, they just didn't see it. But when it's somebody that I don't want to talk to, I'm like, yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: All right, I think it's time to get to our topic of this episode, which is uh, top surgery, and within that, we're going to be talking about trans identity. And uh, well, Shannon, why don't you go ahead and tell us why we're talking about
3: (laughs) that? Just because because I'm fascinated. fascinated. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It's a real hobby. I'm a surgeon. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm I'm Shannon. Um, I've been. Uh, uh, I just had top surgery. I'm non-binary and uh, I identify like, I don't know if it's a a sphere or linear, but I'm towards masculine side Mm -hmm. and experienced dysphoria. um, And I experienced a lot of chest dysphoria. So Mm -hmm. I had top surgery this past year and it was pretty cool.
4: Yeah. That's, you know, it's something now that uh, like years ago, we were never really seeing it, but now with Instagram and uh, social media, mm-hmm. uh, people are a lot more like vocal and sharing their experiences with top surgery, which mm-hmm. I think has been like a very positive thing for oh, a lot yeah. of people who uh, experienced dysphoria and didn't really maybe realize
3: that uh-huh. there was something that that they could do about it. Totally. It's yeah. something that, like, I think uh, I like my body always knew that I wanted this. Um, and I also, like, before I do all this, want to put a disclaimer that top surgery is really expensive and not available to everybody. So um, just because you can't get top surgery for some reason, it doesn't make it less legitimate yeah. what you're feeling. But, like, uh, as a kid, like, I knew that I was just like, well, someday I won't have boobs. But, like, I didn't understand the process to get there. Mm. Um, and, uh, like having the internet has been such a like I don't know I feel like it's progressed trans uh, healthcare so quickly mm-hmm.
4: yeah you know yeah. the internet is full of a lot of garbage but then when it comes to stuff like that I'm like yeah we'll, we'll find we a community and
2: like yeah. and and realizing like oh there's these thousands of other people who feel the exact same way I do or and educating
4: yourself yeah and yeah exploring what your options are so how long ago or when, when did you first remember considering uh, getting surgery
3: Um, I think, well, as I was coming out as gay, like probably like seven years ago or something, I, at that time was like, well, I know I'm trans of some sort too, but wasn't quite ready to deal with it. Um, and so I think at that point I started really like kind of admitting dysphoria to myself, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know that like top surgery was even an option at that point. I think that was before I, I mean, it was definitely before like Instagram, I think. And before a lot of that, like online uh, resources and so I think top surgery became something I wanted about three years ago and then I thought I couldn't get it until I was like older and had more money mm-hmm. and had saved up and then I randomly got a job with really good insurance and I was like let me get this before I get fired yeah. So I, uh yeah that's great it all went pretty it like it's like a almost a year and a half long process to uh-huh. get it but
2: What's uh, the initial consult is like, did you find that doctors were super cool, like super like they knew what they were talking about with it? Or did you have to sort of search for a doctor who like understood where you're coming from? Why that sort of thing?
3: Uh, I was seeing a therapist who Uh uh, like worked with a lot of trans patients Mm -hmm. and she actually pointed me in the direction of a surgeon in Chicago who uh, did like top surgery as well as breast augmentations Mm -hmm. and reductions. So she was just like an all-around chest surgeon kind Mm -hmm. of. And uh, she was fantastic. Like I am fully just in awe of the surgeon. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to give him a shout out? Yeah. Dr. Shore, Dr. Allison Shore in Chicago. Uh, She's fantastic. Check her out. Uh, She's like, yeah, she was like so friendly the whole time. I felt so at home. I never felt... So understood by a doctor. She knew stuff that I didn't know, which is what you want in a doctor. I think. Yeah. Um, and isn't always the case, unfortunately, with trans healthcare. I'm yeah. sure.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: but yeah, she was so good.
4: So as a uh, cis woman, uh, I didn't know much about the trans experience or anything like that. And watching the L word going to oh, one of the most God. shameful parts of that oh, show, man. the character of Max. And I remember that episode where Max talks about wanting to get top surgery. And I think it's Jenny or someone was like, that's a really big decision. You might regret it. And like basically talks Max out of getting top surgery. It was like the weirdest thing. And even I, like even though I had very
3: little exposure mm-hmm. to the transcript, I'm like,
2: you're like something tells me that's not the would right do way to this? handle
3: this. Yeah, Jenny, this <laughs> seems wrong. Imagine Jenny saying something problematic. <laughs> well,
4: but the thing was that Jenny was like the only one who she was like the least problematic with Max out of everyone. Yeah. Just shunned mm-hmm. Max automatically for being butch first, and then for being trans. Yeah, where right. you know, at least Jenny. Jenny, was max's one of the friend with this yeah, whole thing. yeah 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 <laughs> and, and then it was bad like did, did you watch that or is it just... i luckily blocked
3: that episode out but uh, I and i just revived Max. it for yeah, you uh-huh. thank you so much. you're welcome <laughs> i'm, I'm here to... triggered uh <laughs> <laughs> all of our guests jesus uh, Nah, no it's like like the, the media representation of trans masculine people has been m- so minimal throughout like uh the representation of trans feminine people has been very problematic, although there's much more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and trans masculine, like growing up, all I had was Boys Don't Cry, which yeah. is a, a, an important movie, but so messed up for that to be the only time that you see yourself. Yeah. Um, I was
2: experiencing like severe trauma and yeah. Yeah.
3: And like, I remember watching it and just kind of getting the reaction from people around me. Oh, that's just what happens to trans people.
4: Yeah. You right. know?
3: And so I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll save that for later. Yeah. Um, and then the Max one is just so ridiculous. Like, he just looked like a full clown yeah. the whole time. They made him pregnant. Yeah. Which is like, transmasculine people can be pregnant. Yeah. But the way that that happened was so traumatizing.
4: Yeah. the I mean, they really torpedoed that one into yeah. shit very fast. But that, yeah, that specific discussion around top surgery, I just thought was so... Absurd, but also I wonder if they were trying—I'm not going to give them this <laughs> credit. <laughs> much credit. They, like, <laughs> may, maybe they were just trying to reflect the challenges that transmasculine people do, or yeah. like the kind of comments that they do face in their yeah. life when they make these decisions with their families or people who— Uh, have known them their whole lives ask them these questions like are you sure
3: totally which is like I didn't tell a lot of people about it I was very careful about um who I told because I didn't want those reactions yeah like early on when I started talking about it I realized that those were the reactions I would get from some people so they were just people I couldn't tell yeah Mm -hmm. um which is like you know you don't need to tell everybody everything but it would be nice if there was more education yeah that's interesting, too.
4: Like, just in terms of telling people, you might think, like, if, if a friend got that done and you're like, why didn't you tell me? And be like, it's none you your fucking your business. Fucking business. Yeah. That's yeah. how I
2: think of it,
0: too. But, like, like,
4: anything else, you know, you don't clear every other decision you make about your, your like, mental and physical health uh-huh. with everybody in your life. So why would you do it for this, you know? Yeah. But I imagine that other people would have... A problem with that. Like, I remember yeah. there was someone in my family who was
3: getting top surgery, and everybody was talking about it. And I was like, "It's not your life. It's not your yeah. fucking business." I mean, how often, like, often did you interact with your family members' breasts? Like,
2: right? Like what I like, a, yeah. I, like, Why are you I'm so sorry, worried are you about noticing it? their absence now? Like, what? yeah. Are <laughs> were you nursing? Yeah. Uh, what is? <laughs> yeah. How they
3: What's your, your daily obsession? life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did you rub them like the stone of yeah. the Apollo, or <laughs> what are you? <laughs>
4: Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking, so I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian approved They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs, like calorie smart protein plus and keto. They also have add ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky, Uh, no prep, no mess. And when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly, really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com/dikingout50 and use code DIKINGOUT50 to get 50% off. That's code DIKINGOUT50 at factormeals.com/dikingout50
0: to get 50% off. Shopify.com slash realm.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember when I had a a cousin who had top surgery and some people in the family just thought that they were too young, that he was too young to be Mm -hmm. doing that. And it was like, oh,
3: which is also a wild a whole other issue of yeah. what age I, you can be trans at. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. I was like, going to say, he was an adult at this point. Right, <laughs> right. right.
3: Like I knew before I even went through puberty that I didn't want boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, Yeah. I mean, not boobs I, are traumatic. They yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. I guess like as a cis person, did you feel, I don't know, like I, I've been all over the place with my I boobs. have no particular
2: attachment to that. I just, they're yeah. there.
4: I remember, like when they first start. Not that special. When they first start coming in, they're like
3: they're
4: they're like lumps, right? When they first start
2: coming in, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) And when you go from like being flat chested, and I used to like you know hang out around my house without a shirt on a lot, Mm -hmm. like was very much enjoying my flat chestedness as like a, as a little kid and like in France uh you know where like half my family's from um it's like very common for young girls to be at the beach and just like bottoms mm-hmm. and True. not tops and that's very normal in the U.S. The whole country so. is Jacob Reese. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah right, right, right yeah In the U.S. we're putting like weird bikinis that oh, yeah it's so um, bizarre girl- and yeah
2: like, it, it's like when you're when you're a pubescent girl you're going through this like it's like all the emphasis is placed on these on boobs like oh when are you gonna get them how big are they gonna be yeah and they just i just don't yeah like i've just never felt Especially any like, sort of at that I time like i was born life. with like d boobs i don't remember not having that it's just yeah. like they're just there
4: it, it's crazy too talking about like how we put Bikinis on little girls, like letting them know very early on that yes. that mm. like cover this up because this is going to be inappropriate. Right. You know when there's or here's some zero difference, that just
2: covers this one part of your body. Like it's yeah so, when there's no difference so between weird. the chest
3: of a girl and a boy until puberty. That's what's yeah. so wild is also like I have the same nipples I had before, and now I can show them. Yes. Yeah, like so that's, what? That's <laughs> something
4: else I want to talk yeah. about because uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, because, so I I have, like, small breasts. I always have. And um, I remember in sixth grade, like, boys commenting on that for the first time, being Ugh. like, why is your chest as flat as your back? Blah, blah, blah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I had a friend who... Um, when she broke up with her boyfriend, he said, uh, you better hope you get some more peaches on the tray or else no one else is going to want to date you. Oh, gross. That was the craziest. Yeah. That stuck with me. Does but- she date
2: Shane Gillis or? <laughs> <laughs> I
4: think his name was Travis. So- oh, that's oh, yeah, It definitely
2: yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, That's like on the on like the hierarchy of shitty men names, Travis is like the final boss. <laughs> I've
3: like, got Travis yeah, has a BMX bike and a skateboard.
4: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was Travis or Taylor. They were twins, uh-huh. but uh, one of them <laughs>
3: oh, God. said it. But they both
4: face the punishment yeah. for it. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a twin. Watch your twin. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, so I went through like a long time of my life wishing my boobs were were bigger mm-hmm. and just hating that my breasts were small and feeling like in clothing like why am I not filling out these things more? I would look so much better if my mm-hmm. if my boobs were, were bigger. Cuz we're just told that. We're told right. bigger
2: yeah. is better. Yeah. And for which is such a terrible thing to instill in young girls brains. Right. It yeah.
4: it messed with my like self-confidence mm-hmm. and self-image. For years until I was more, um, I mean, until I came out and even then like a little bit, but then once I was out and out in the world too and in Mm. college and realizing that the attention that having big breasts brings, I was like, no, thank you. I'm yeah. so glad that I don't have men staring at my chest. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that that's not like a focal point. That um, that it doesn't hurt when I run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like all those kind of things. And now, um, now I like really am happy with the size of, yeah, of my yeah. chest, and I love it. But also, like, like I don't need a bra, but I wear one because I feel like again, not wearing a bra. tells us to. Well, and and not wearing a bra attracts (laughs) attention, too, that people will look at you for not wearing a bra and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. It it feels like not having breasts is kind of like freedom from from all of that kind of shitty stuff. I mean, I know that that's not a reason Mm -hmm. to.
3: Honestly, since I've gotten top surgery, the number of cis women who've been like, I wish I could get that has been ridiculous. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it I don't know what it. I don't know how do do you feel when
2: says women say that like what's the I think I
3: get it like I don't I I tend to see where people are coming from like intention behind stuff so Mm -hmm. unless it's like aggressive I it doesn't usually bother me but Mm -hmm. um I do get it though because like I think partially like I definitely felt the societal pressure of having boobs and like I don't know. They are cumbersome also. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have particularly large breasts, but they were like in the way. And, um, I feel streamlined now. I'm like, I don't need to, and that thing of like people seeing you without a bra on and like making assumptions or, you know, Mm -hmm. just like attracting so much attention. Yeah. Uh, I think I get treated better now. Yeah. Like people will still gender me as female, but I get treated better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wild.
4: It just seems like so much freedom to just be able to take your your Mm -hmm. shirt off and just because like there's a a tiny bit of like size difference between my chest and your chest now yeah I don't get to do that without Mm -hmm. a whole slew of like consequences and stares and whatever yeah
2: uh is like um yeah it is just sort of this thing that we like we've we've made boobs be, be this like sort of vulgar thing like at least in oh, like yeah. TV and film and stuff and I wonder if that's particularly American I think it might like, more so because I don't think Europe, in European culture it's really like that I know
3: I remember I was a, when I was a kid I lived in Germany for a little bit and women were topless just constantly mm-hmm. yeah and it wasn't as big of a deal
4: yeah that was no. confusing for me growing up with like a French family like my grandmother when she would get ready in the morning like around us she would be like walking around with just like a towel around her waist and it Mm -hmm. wasn't this like crazy thing seeing my my grandmother's breasts and Mm -hmm. you know we'd go uh on vacation with like friends or or family to beaches where, you know, I would see our family friends, like, without their yeah. their tops on, but it was, like, once we moved to the U.S., then I became a little bit more, like, oh, I like, conflicting things. I thought that I should <laughs> have seen yeah. these bodies that are very
3: natural, and there's nothing yeah. wrong <laughs> with it. Truly, uh, like, naked bodies are not inherently sexual, but we yeah. sexualize every yeah. part of the body, and, yeah. like, I don't know.
4: I actually saw a show at joe's pub this week called still asking for it and it's kind of a um revival of a show that came out back in i want to say 2013 and this comedian i want to say her name's like adrian truscott or something did a show where she's naked from the bottom down Mm. for the whole show and i didn't know this going into it um I just knew it was going to be a, a show about rape culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: uh, basically by doing the show, and she's doing high kicks, you know, oh, okay. with, yeah. and yeah. like yeah. bending over and everything, but being like, like this isn't sexual, like no matter, even if you're walking around on a stage yeah. without anything on, I'm still not asking for yeah. it. Oh, uh, okay. But she updated it to include more, voices because realizing even then what she was doing, she still had the privilege of being a cis white woman. Mm -hmm. So now there, uh, there's a trans woman in the show and then they, they change, uh, actually the people who are in it. Mm -hmm. Um, there are kind of slates of people. So I saw, uh, Carolyn Castiglia and, uh, Carrie Cadet. Oh,
2: okay. Cool. Wasn't it?
4: But everybody is, is wearing nothing from, from the waist. Wow. Yeah, except their shoes uh, or boots or whatever they're wearing. So there was yeah. a, a trans woman and um, two um, trans men. Oh, cool. On stage during the, awesome. the performance. Yeah, and it was really cool to hear them talk about rape culture and, yeah, uh, and how it
2: affects literally everyone. Yeah. yeah. And just like <laughs> having
4: their bodies on display. And it was really, yeah, mm. this crazy kind of thing. To yeah, have that representation and also yeah, having yeah. including women of color and yeah and all that in in the conversation. But, yeah, but then like very quickly, I, I mean, I was I was talking to my friend after the the show. I was like, it's funny because it felt a lot of the show felt like preaching to the choir because mm-hmm. especially the past few years, just being inundated with all these articles and content on on rape culture and and being a woman and seeing it and everything. But I'm also surrounded by cis men, cis white men specifically mm-hmm. yeah. in this audience, and thinking, wow, their discomfort, like what are they thinking? We're seeing two entirely different shows. Yeah. I'm just seeing, you know, if you could the, convert these people cis where I'm just like
2: discomfort mm-hmm. to renewable energy. You could have
3: empowered <laughs> <laughs> at
2: least the block in New York City at yeah. that moment. <laughs> but but it yeah. had to be the first yeah. time for
4: them. <laughs> yeah. The first time for them seeing naked I mean, I'm glad
2: they're there. Naked yeah. bodies. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And have it not be
3: sexualized.
2: Right, right. I think right? that's
3: super important. And like, uh, I think that it is important to preach to the choir to some extent, too, just oh, yeah, to like yeah. empower people. But mm-hmm. like, if you can yeah. get cis white men to watch it, yeah. that's where the change happens. Yeah. You know? Um, like if you could get Shane Gillis to go watch that show, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he would be sure rocking
4: it. in a fetal position in the yeah. corner. <laughs> Let me tell you, he would be.
3: This is <laughs> edgy.
2: So <laughs> right. why do I
3: feel so uncomfortable? Uh, this yeah. is edgy. <laughs>
2: oh, my stuff funny. is more provocative, <laughs> but this makes Did me imagine? so
3: uncomfortable and think about stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's great, man. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, I do think it's, like, so interesting to just, like, have shows that are, like, letting people look at bodies Mm because we don't have a place to just go look at bodies besides porn right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, I do this show in Chicago called Fly Honeys, and it's amazing. Um, This group has been running it for 10 years, and it's every summer. They get... It's like at least three hundred different performers come through it over the course of a month. It's this huge, like dance kind of infused with burlesque and modern dance um, show that they have variety acts. So I'll do stand up at it, and they have audiences of like at least two fifty every night over the course of a whole weekend. Wow, um, five shows or five weekends a summer, and it's just like reclaiming space with all just basically not white cis male bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, the audience just gets to, like, watch and just take in bodies and not be ashamed to, like, enjoy their own body as they're watching it, kind of vibe to the music, and um, it's super powerful. Yeah. Looking into, like, trans medicine and stuff, it's uh, kind of disturbing to uh, only see pictures that are, like, highly clinical and highly medical Yeah, um, or, like, porn. Right. Yeah. And there's no, like, just kind of, like – representation of uh this is just a trans body just like any other body that you yeah. see around and this is yeah. a person
2: like enjoying occupying that body and having a perfectly normal fruitful life with yeah. it yeah you know Which is because where, of their body not in spite of it totally yeah and i
3: think that's where like instagram comes in and why it's so important yes. just to mm-hmm. see people in their everyday life doing what they do like i follow a non-binary or i don't they identify as um Trans masculine I think soccer player who just is like a goalie and just shows off their pictures of them playing soccer yeah and I'm like that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah like you know I just want to see more of that
4: yeah I love Instagram for for that reason too and I think if that's been it's also interesting to see like um a lot of the and and maybe because like they came onto my radar because they had a lot of followers mm-hmm. and that's why
2: i Chicken i know this on instagram it's like yeah 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 you because you're famous yeah yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> but i'm like it's cool that you yeah. have all these these followers and that all these people are either following you because they um because they relate to you mm-hmm. in a way or because it's a way to expose themselves to something that's that before was maybe unfamiliar mm-hmm. to them, that they can now educate themselves and see. And and as we all know, like life on social media is very curated and showing the best. But I think for the trans community, we need to see that. We yeah. need to yeah. see. Please show I, your best life.
2: Yeah, because- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cur- yeah. curate
4: your your life to look awesome, yeah. please. Because, yeah, this comedian who is also a, a trans woman posted uh, on Facebook the other day how upset she was by uh, just Googling trans women and everything that came up was just so negative.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think And nothing
4: positive. And it was like, why can't this just be like, you know, right. normal life. <laughs> right. That's like, like the
3: thing i seeing. I mean, it's queer folks in general yeah. and we're getting better with like, uh, like sexuality wise, but it's still a problem. Trans stories are mostly traumatic and like, yeah. they're like, you know, I don't know. Like you, Shows will like, if they put a trans person in there, it has to be that they're getting assaulted or murdered or something like that. And it's like, cool. If that's the only way that people see trans people, then you're going to feel unsafe all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, what was the first time you started thinking about top surgery or you realized it was an option? Like, what made that? Was it seeing someone like online or was it just kind of like seeing someone in real life and thinking, oh, this is a, this is, I could do this.
3: I actually don't like remember the particular moment. I think that um I was like, uh, I also have kinda I have O C D so I like will over research stuff to in a way that's like unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so it was somewhere in that over researching that I came across top surgery, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um and then that just sort of planted the seed. And I think the more I let it be an option for myself, the more I got dysphoric and um like i have a joke trying to explain dysphoria to middle america i do a lot of shows in indiana um mm. but like that it's like a when you try to put a cat in a costume like yeah.
2: <laughs> just like you're right. like so, so uncomfortable yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a good way to explain it to especially like you know cis primarily straight people who I've never been a cat in a costume. Yeah. But they know what that's like. like, yeah, trying to kind of like, force something into something else that's not working.
3: And it's like trapped in it yeah. and like can't yeah. doesn't have hands to take it off itself, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah, and they like, look sad
2: yeah I know, we're mad yeah. yeah i can't get it off they're just like yeah oh. and they're just <laughs> smacking all the cups off the surfaces yeah. <laughs> my
3: favorite is cats on leashes yeah it's oh, like God. when i am in a bad mood i just yeah. don't look at cats on leashes yeah. being dragged right. around <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and it's like uh yeah so it just like you know it was a feeling that started to grow and i actually um kind of processed it on stage mm-hmm. because uh, it's always been easier for me to come out on stage than in real life. Because if I talk about it on stage, I'll be like, refer to the set. Don't talk to me. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like, uh, so I started, there's actually a comic in Chicago who unfortunately passed away, but Dan Ronan, and he came out as um, in, in his uh, identity was a crossdresser. Uh-huh. And uh, he started talking about that very openly and that, like in 2000, probably 14 kind of opened it up for me to start talking about it.
4: Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I know that just Tom talks a lot about it and their act as well, just mm-hmm. to make it very clear up top. And even then, and they shared this on the episode we did, uh, did a whole set of that on this big benefit show and Rosie O'Donnell was on it. And then Rosie came up and said, isn't she great? That lesbian's oh. so funny.
3: <laughs> Damn and it, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those, She's those so funny. Baby older boomers, lesbians. This is yeah. the point. Baby yeah. boomers. I, the baby hey, boomers. I love tonight. them, but
2: like... they. Yeah, Just almost get it. You're yeah.
3: almost there. You're so. My mom this year, I, I, I like called her on my birthday, and she goes, "It's the birthday girl, boy, girl, boy, girl." Oh, no. boy. <laughs> she like almost oh, no. had mom a panic. out. Oh boy, control alt delete, yeah. shut her down, walk away for a minute, turn her back on. <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it and what you're trying to say. <laughs> Oh
2: my God, I love that.
3: Yeah,
4: there's like sparks coming out of her ear. Yeah, like, <laughs>
2: it's like, she's, I'm gonna,
3: my mom's like gonna a, have a heart attack on because a I'm not buying the little like
2: rainbow wheel just turning. Like, Yeah, all right, just let it, <laughs> let it do its thing. She's like a
3: cartoon. Her eyes are just beach balls. <laughs> oh my God.
2: That's sweet. Oh man.
4: Um, the surgery itself, I imagine, is very like, Painful and a tough recovery. I, th- I think that's something that when people get surgery, they kind of forget about. Like other surgeries mm. that I've had, even though, like, I've had this one surgery on uh, my uterus for endometriosis a few times. Mm. And each time I think, like, oh, yeah, I remember what this is like. And then I'm in recovery. And yeah. not only is it so physically painful, but then it takes like an emotional toll. So I yeah. imagine for something, um, like in a elective top surgery that the physical and the emotional, like how was that recovering from?
3: Yeah, it was, I like tend to be horrible at planning stuff. So leading up to it, I was like, I have to like actually focus on this and get, and like read up on it. Cause Mm -hmm. a month out I realized I hadn't read up on like what to get for the recovery process. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, uh, uh, steeled myself for it and really like, uh, meditated a lot leading up to it and did a lot of journaling. And, um, I had to take, uh, well, I took a week off work and then worked home from home for a week, which I was lucky to be able to do. Um, and my roommates like were there to take care of me, which was great. My one roommate drove me back from the hospital and, uh, The other one helped me empty my drains, which is a disgusting part of recovery where you have to empty these two plastic bulbs Mm -hmm. on your sides of your chest. is it all like pussy and oozy? Yeah. Mine actually wasn't that bad. So my actual recovery, yeah. Gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. It is like, that's what my, uh, my other non-binary friend is like always making fun of, uh, trans folks who get top surgery is like, uh, want to see my drains, bro? (laughs) Um, but uh, my my recovery, I think I got really lucky that I didn't have much pain, um, and I was just kind of like of the mindset: I'm just going to do whatever my body asks for and do my best mm-hmm. to get through it. I also did not fully listen to my body because I drove a week after surgery, which I probably was not supposed to do,
0: uh, and also
3: did a show a week after surgery, like still in the vest. Yeah. Um. But I was like, I can't be in the house anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the mental toll. I was like, I can't, I'm somebody who's out doing like, I work 40 hours a week and then do shows every night. Like I was like, this is driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Gina Bloom, I did a show
4: with her. I, I swear it was like three or four days after she had her implants.
2: Oh, that's yeah. yeah. And I I was like, I can't hug you. No, you can't.
4: Yeah. I I can imagine that's really sensitive for a long time. she definitely, you could tell she shouldn't have, she had a, Killer set though. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like what a raw emotional pain meds. <laughs> place to be in. Yeah. And on the meds too. Yeah. I'm sure she doesn't remember any of that night. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's but like yeah, it's,
3: it is like wild. And I also am a recovering addict, so I couldn't. I was like, don't give me, like, give me half of what the meds, like only what uh, I like yeah, super yeah. need.
4: Yeah. And
3: uh I like really luckily did not have that much pain. Like the yeah, uh whatever pain stuff they gave me in the hospital lasted the first night and then um it's more just like you have to sleep on your back uh which is disconcerting if mm-hmm. you aren't used to doing that yeah and then i was mostly afraid that my nipples were going to fall off all the time yeah, yeah. because they graft them back on oh okay and i was like uh i had read horror stories about folks losing nipples and i was just like what? You know, for the first month, just picturing
2: a nipple. Right.
4: Wait. So they take the nipple off and then put it back on. Yeah.
3: So this is my favorite part. It's
2: so. Yes. Yeah. Tell, okay. tell our listeners, like literally, what happened. Like, Because yeah. there's probably a lot of people considering doing this, and I would love to kind of educate people if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this part. Or people okay. who
4: like to hear about the test. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> That's the other
3: audience. The, I smile like, at yeah, yeah. yeah. Carolyn's <laughs> eyes are now beach balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah. So uh, first, like this is part of the reason I love my surgeon, um, Dr. Shore. I was like in her office for the consultation. This is like a year before the actual surgery, I think, or maybe, I don't know. I have a horrible sense of time. But she like drew me a little picture on a notepad of what my reconstructed chest would look like. And it had nipples on it and where she was going to put the scars. So there's like different types of surgery. If you have small breasts, you usually have the option for um, what they call a keyhole procedure, which is where they leave pretty much everything intact, make an incision like under the nipple, I believe, and then just kind of pull everything out.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, this is all good to know because I've been wondering, because like usually you just see the um, the pictures the with like the, like the two
3: yeah, right. yeah larger yeah. scars underneath which is a double incision with a nipple graft, which is what I had. Okay. Um, and I didn't understand, like I really didn't do much research before. I'm lucky that I got a really good surgeon because I did not research any other surgeons. Yeah. But, um, they, like, different surgeons have kind of signature scar lines, so, like, some will do in line with the bottom of the peck. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish I had gotten that. Mine are a little bit more in the middle of the peck, mm-hmm. um, still in line with it. Um, I think if you have bigger breasts, sometimes they have to meet in the middle, mm-hmm. Um And sometimes they like, I don't know, sometimes they're like straight across. Mine are a little bit more shaped so that it's like a contoured chest. Mm -hmm. You also have the option of getting your chest totally flat um, or masculinized, which is what mine is. So she like left some, not breast tissue, but left some more fat in there to give more of an appearance of pecs. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, And then the cherry on top is they take off the nipples and resize the areola to make it more like masculine or whatever yeah. size. Yeah. And then they also put them on a little bit further out because when you uh have breasts, for some reason, I think that the nipples are a little bit more centered. Yeah. So they're like... Oh,
2: okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's to- what I
4: always wondered about because, yeah, like nipple placement is different on a cis male body right. versus a, a cis female body. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. if you have the
3: keyhole surgery, like it'll be a little bit more centered. Oh,
2: okay. So they're, they, okay. I Cause
3: it'll stay that. in the same place. But the thing is, so like for me, like I am getting some sensation back in my nipples now, yeah. but like it used to be that you just would never, if you had graft, you would never get sensation back.
0: Mm-hmm. And now
3: they have technology where if I say technology, I don't know what it is. Where yeah. they can do that. Magic. <laughs> Magic. Whatever they did while I was asleep. I do not know. I um, just tickled them with feathers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just gave them kisses and yeah. put them. On. <laughs> wow, science is crazy. It is wild. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, um, so she yeah. So it was like, uh, uh so she's drawing a picture of my reconstructed chest, and she's like for nipple placement. She's like, Where do you want your nipples? And I was like. At that point I didn't know there were options. I
2: was like where do they go? You're like, what do you mean? You can just put them anywhere. On my like, I was like <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was like. I want them above my belly button like this so it looks like a smi- a face. Yeah. Could you actually
3: cut them up and make cat nipples yeah. on, like, on my butt? I would butt? like 6 of them. Yeah. But- <laughs> Uh, I was like, put them back. I was yeah. like, I don't know, just put them back where oh, they look what do you good. Think? You're the, yeah, you're the pro here. <laughs> I know. And so I was like, kind of like joking about it. And I was it's like, like I when I don't hair hairstylists
4: they... ask me what, what, yeah, what I want done, I'm like, I don't know. You do it. What do you think <laughs> looks good? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't
3: even know this was a thing I was gonna have to think about. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe I should have done some more wow. research. Like, oh, that's God. something that I do wish that I had thought about. Yeah, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because she knew what she was doing and yeah. was like, I was like, put them where they look good. You mm-hmm. know, like. I do the same thing when I go in for a haircut. I'm like, whatever yeah.
4: looks
2: good, do it. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I know because it, it's almost like if you do too much research, there's like too many yeah. choices oh where sometimes you don't let me just make wish. a bad
2: decision here. Like it's yeah. just, just you, you <laughs> do yeah. it yeah. Put in someone else's hands. <laughs> <laughs> like I do wish
3: like I'm like I, I'm so happy with my results. I do yeah. wish maybe scar placement was a little bit different, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but uh like but as so I was like joking about it, and then my doctor goes, Like she kind of like waited me out like I was a kid just going off. And then she was like, I was like, does anyone like not get nipples put back on? And she was like, actually, if somebody is uh, neutrosis or feels like they have no gender, sometimes nipples make them dysphoric. Mm -hmm. So they'd rather not have nipples. And I was like, well, damn. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know more than I do. Wow. Straight lady. You are gayer than I am.
4: (laughs) How does working out and uh, weight gain affect the, the appearance like post.
3: surgery yeah. Um, I'm kind of like figuring that out now. Like I've put on some weight since the surgery because I've been more sedentary. Um, not because of the surgery, just cause I got lazy, but, um, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I've noticed that they don't like my chest doesn't gain weight right now. Yeah. So I'm like wondering if I were to gain like a lot of weight, if it would actually look s- not strange, but like, not like a cis male chest where it gains weight the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also, I don't know, like, it's interesting. I know that yeah. if you, like, lose a lot of weight, like, in recovery from surgery, it can kind of pucker your scars up. So it can, like, uh, yeah. like uh, change the appearance of the scar lines. Yeah.
2: As far as, like, post-surgery uh, care, how long, like, you're wearing, like, what are you wearing? Like, a compression type of thing? For the scar tissue or for, like, the the, the tissue itself? Like, how long was that process?
3: Um, I believe I was wearing that vest, that horrible vest, for, like, two weeks, I think. Oh, okay. So it's not so bad. Some folks have to keep it on longer. Um, uh, It's to like, I don't don't know. I think it's for circulation. Mm -hmm. I had drains for a week. Those were the most cumbersome. They're really difficult because you, like, literally have tubes coming out of your sides. There's, like, two little holes that they make. And I've learned since that not every surgeon uses drains, but I, th- I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. Yeah. Does
2: it, the drains, are they, are they, um, constantly like, do they gather like fluid or did they, does it just come out and you have to sort of absorb it with like a padding or something?
3: There's a, uh, there's actually tubes. You look like a robot kind uh-huh. of, it's like two, um, clear tubes that come out of your skin. And so that you can actually feel where they're inserted, so it's kind of uh, I probably that was the only thing that I really actually wanted pain medicine for was less for pain and more to forget that I had tubes yeah. coming out of my body. Yeah, and um, then you have the actual drains, which look like two kind of like you know like on a um, blood pressure thing, the bulbs that you squeeze mm-hmm. to puff it up. They're like clear versions of that, and you have to um, they have little uh, like a valve yeah like at the top that you like squeeze it out once a day and measure how much liquid is coming out okay to make sure that like
2: it's draining healthy and everything's healing and then those get obviously just taken out and like stitched up or
3: yeah the that was wild i like went in to see dr shore and she's like also like super into surgery so it's like she's like just fascinated by the process still where yeah. she seems really excited to, like, rip drains out of your body. She's like, all yeah. right, we're going to take the drains out. <laughs> <laughs> like, She was like, just look the other way. And she just yank. Really? Yeah. And it, Oh, okay. For me, it didn't hurt. I've heard for some folks it hurts, but it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to put Band-Aids and Neosporin on the okay. site. Yeah.
2: Well, as far as insurance goes, I'm sure if people are listening to this and considering it, that's obviously the big like elephant in the room is can you pay for this um is it like spelled out in an insurance policy that they'll cover this sort of thing or did you have to research that i
3: did not research it i'm horrible with researching again i got Mm -hmm. really lucky that so i have blue cross blue shield ppo which is a Mm -hmm. really good plan and Mm -hmm. i'm very grateful to have it right now um and uh i basically went into the office with my medical card and was like will this do it? And they kind of looked for me and it required uh, uh, two letters from two different mental health professionals, either one from, it could have been one from like a a licensed psychiatrist or two from social workers, which is what I got. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, a medical consultation with like a general practitioner to make sure my body could undergo surgery. And it was completely covered, um, which was amazing uh if you don't have that like it's sometimes like about $10,000 for the procedure mm-hmm. i think is what i've heard is the standard rate um i know like i got lucky because i did a show of in all places uh southern illinois and this woman came up to me and i was like talking about how i wanted top surgery and how it was so expensive and she came up and she's like hey i actually work for blue, Cro- blue cross blue shield um we Provide insurance for Walgreens. So if you got a job at Walgreens and got insurance, you would be covered. And wow! Then, so then, like when I got offered this job and I saw they had Blue Cross Blue Shield, I was like, "Oh, let me take that."
4: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. I know. In uh, Cecilia's insurance plan, it's uh, spelled out that they. Oh okay. They do transitioning like, oh, cool. a- any surgeries involved in that. I would are hope 100% that's becoming covered. so
2: much more of a like. An obvious thing that health insurers should cover, and that they were talking about it more. Yeah, I, I think it's better to plans. policyholders that this is, you know, this is among the things we cover. It mm-hmm. is interesting,
4: though, all of the evaluations you had to get ahead of time. Like, I know it's different, but if somebody mm-hmm. is getting breast augmentation, oh, 100%, died, yeah. so they don't silly. have to be asked. Right you know I mean, they they don't have to see a shrink to be versus... like why are
3: you not happy with the way you look you know totally yeah. my i mean the therapist that i went to were like yeah this is stupid yeah you yeah. know like everybody along the way kind of knows it and was very like like you shouldn't we'll have give to give you do what do you this. need to move to the next yeah that's good to know because yeah. i was
4: when you said that i'm like oh no did you have to like sit through and have to justify your
3: well, adult I mean, decisions yeah so, i mean the wild so like i'm incredibly lucky again because i live in a major city so the the, i have access to trans-friendly therapists and stuff like that i can't imagine if you're in a smaller uh town i know folks will like i mean just for the surgery itself will have to fly to a different city and Mm -hmm. pay for a hotel to recover in for a week before they're capable of flying back to where they are from and um travel really far to see a trans-friendly therapist and all of that. So it is, there is still like a long way to go with accessibility. And if
4: you're a listener and you want to help people with this, go to gofundme.com. There Mm -hmm. are a lot
3: of GoFundMe's uh, happening for surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, that's like, I think the major way that people pay for it is GoFundMe's. That's what I've seen in terms Mm -hmm. of the, the people I know who have had it. And it's yeah, it's so much
4: it's a lot
2: that goes money into if you it. don't yeah. have
3: insurance, and you have to take off work for it too, yeah, like I am lucky to have a job with p t o as well, yeah. and um a lot of people I know who are like nannies and stuff like that like have to take off work without pay,
2: yeah yeah, yeah I know that life for sure, <laughs> yeah uh, if I want to do anything, I have to take off work, and if I'm not at work, I'm not making money, so it's you know yeah it's that's a tough one, yeah. What um, Were there any particular, like, online resources that you find yourself returning to for as far as, like, sound medical advice goes?
3: Um, I, no. Um,
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, I know that they're out there. I personally, again, I'm, like, horrible at research. So I just really went by word of mouth as much as I did, you know. Um, I don't recommend that process. I think I got really lucky. <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually, my friend like had me go see a medium and I was like, uh, she was like, change change surgeons and i was like "Eh, you're a medium (laughs) i don't think i should listen
2: i'm paying ten dollars for this advice right now
3: (laughs) you just said there's a ghost in the closet so i don't know about this um so yeah i didn't don't do what i did uh yeah i don't know i i currently i just started taking low-dose testosterone and to learn about that i did find some like local Facebook groups because Mm -hmm. trans health I think is still largely word of mouth. So we have to like educate each other. So um, a a great resource in Chicago is Howard Brown health center, which is um, a really large LGBTQ health center there. And they have like tons of articles and stuff. That's great. Yeah.
4: I know it's very different, but I'm going through like the fertility process Mm -hmm. and everything right now. And that's something where I'm also not doing as much research and then when people ask me questions I'm like uh I don't know I think this is how they do it yeah I'm like wow this is a pretty serious thing I don't know why I haven't really like hunkered down but it just feels like so overwhelming that yeah. I'm like
3: oh, I'll figure it out when I get to it. That's what I'm like tell me how did somebody tell me.
2: Yeah I know
4: that. I'm just like waiting for my next doctor appointment where we sit down with him and he's like okay this is what needs to happen. Yeah
2: like someone give uh, me a BuzzFeed list of like the top right? 10 things I should know accompanied just, uh, with like which boy band cat goes along with the information I don't know.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which Backstreet Boy animal will be my surgeon. <laughs>
2: That's how we learn.
4: <laughs> okay, we have to wrap up, but I do have one more question for you, and that is since you've had the surgery, are you constantly tempted to post
3: thirst traps?
4: <laughs> uh, like, uh, is it really hard for you to hold yourself back now?
3: Yes. I like uh <laughs> I posted a bunch of shirtless pictures. I also didn't tell my family about it before, so nice. uh yeah. <laughs> so it's the hey, Christmas that's a card. surprise mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, "Oh." Another uh, fine uh but um yeah i want to just post shirtless pictures all the time yeah that's not my personality so like uh i'm like you know what you're gonna regret this if you just turn into that person for a minute like Uh i don't know i i go back and forth on it just do it just do it (laughs) just do it that's great okay we have a
4: listener question This one comes from one of our Patreon patrons. If you want to put your questions in the fast lane, especially now that I have this back pile from the spam folder I discovered, you can sign up for Patreon, be a part of the community for, uh, you know, as little as $3 a month to get extra content and all sorts of things. And that's at uh, patreon.com slash Out. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Okay. Our question is, I am with the love of my lives. Not a typo. I'm a witch. And we are very much in love. <laughs> I love this. This That's one of my amazing. favorite listeners. Yeah. Uh, like most couples, there are a few quirks that we are learning about each other. A glaring one has come forth. And I have no lesbian friends. I am surrounded by aggressively hetero dudes. Uh, therefore, they're useless. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's... The meat of the question. Politics are heating up here in Canada and my girlfriend will not vote. I accepted this, but now she, um, with my prompting, is looking only into conservatives. They are the devil. Uh, I was raised liberal, but I am now reformed new Democratic Party and finding it hard to understand why she is even leaning that way. And with the election coming up, politics are getting spicy and it's hard to avoid discussing uh, the story of the day because I have become very passionate about it since joining the military, Um, though my aggressively hetero peers are also conservative. I love her very much, but it has become challenging. So Mm -hmm. basically, she wasn't voting and now she's going to vote what they're conservative I, yeah in
2: canada I, I assume that it's like is, republicans okay yeah, but yeah like i mean our republican party is just a clan rally at this point but I, yeah. so is it like um social conservative like so there are they anti like i think lgbt anti-abortion yeah. etc same same general talking points yeah i assume
4: yeah it, not not ask. Crazy. I think on the abortion stuff they're they're a little bit better. But there was it's definitely them who were resistant to gay marriage when that became legalized in Canada. And uh again, like like not as bad as in the US, but I think they're probably a little emboldened right now. Yeah, of course. By uh the way that that things are going around the world. I just
2: like I can't imagine I honestly at this point I just can't imagine partnering with someone who is A, either completely apathetic to politics when our very existence is a matter of political engagement and Mm -hmm. the people in charge make a big difference in the lives of LGBTQ people, you know, people of color, et cetera. Um, Because of my white privilege, I wasn't uh, completely engaged in politics really much at all until 2016, which is my own personal problem. But I don't... I think, like... I don't know. I just would have a really hard time being with someone who either didn't see the importance of being politically engaged to the point where they're just simply not voting out of choice. Yeah. Um. But someone who's going to vote conservative in that case, I would kind of question your girlfriend's understanding of what that means. Like, I don't, does she actually, I don't know. I I would not to like make someone feel dumb, but I would be like, Do you know what that is? Like, do you know what these these people stand for? Have you researched this at all? Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah.
3: Is that something that could be like slowly worked through, I wonder, or if she's like staunchly conservative, or it's yeah. just like a new like, ooh, that seems shiny. Let me look at that for a while. I
4: wonder. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard because you you hear these couples like in the US, there's Kellyanne Conway
2: Ugh, Both George, George fucking Conway. grifters, right? Yeah, That's their whole con. That's yeah. right. I do
4: think that they are.
2: Yeah, both grifters. But, but, uh, but you did you hear about those couples who were like, it's it's always like a, a you know like a cis hat couple who's like, but we can still make liberal. it work. My husband's a Trump supporter, but we still make it work. I'm like, well, you fucking make it work because your your cis white privilege yes. dominates every single thing about your existence. Yeah, it
3: doesn't actually affect your day to day life. Yeah, yet yeah, it will down the line. But yeah, right yeah. But it is a good opportunity for them to start a grift of their own. Yeah, if
2: they want to. (laughs) Yeah, you guys can be be the George and Kellyanne Conway of the of Canada. (laughs) Yeah,
3: you know, make some money while you're at it.
4: Back when I lived in Atlanta, um, my roommate uh, at one point had just gotten out of a relationship with her partner, who she had. I mean, she owned a condo with her at one point, and her partner was like a conservative. Person working uh, in public policy, Yikes. and yeah, wow. uh, and that was that was definitely something that was hard and a strain on the relationship. And I, yeah, I think having to have a, a conversation about it because it could, you know, there are different kinds of conservatives that mm-hmm. I have met throughout my life. Some uh, know nothing about. Politics and they vote the
2: way their dads do. Yeah, they yeah. vote
4: the way their dads do, basically, or the mm-hmm. people around them, or whatever. Like the way they process information, they just take these like crazy mm-hmm. nonsense things, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's not fair."
2: Like, yeah, yeah. Um, why
4: should my money go to these? I mean, people? it's always
2: rooted in privilege. You know. Yes, those yes. decisions are.
4: It almost, it's always a a combination of privilege and uh, lack of empathy uh, Mm -hmm. for what other people uh, go through. And I think that, you know, though a big driver for a lot of conservatives, especially when I was living in Georgia and was, you know, working with people or they were dating my friends or uh, some of them were my friends and having Mm -hmm. these conversations challenging their their viewpoint, uh, a lot of them, it boiled down to... Money,
2: yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like
4: okay, you care about money more
2: than money and privilege is always always wins in those conversations with people like that, and that's a character flaw. It is. That so is just so- <laughs> I, as a general rule, no one should ever fuck Republicans, but uh, I think you may want to consider that. Uh, I'm sorry, but yeah, like find I, out I what, just what's at driving this point this. the stakes are too high, and I just don't think I don't think w- I personally would not would not extend. This person any more uh, like emotional or intellectual labor to get them to see the the flaw in all of this, especially when you are a queer couple. And so obviously your livelihood is, is you know, uh, threatened by the presence of ultra conservative people in charge. Uh, especially so. when
4: you're in Canada in a place where things seem like, oh, you know. You're ahead of the curve. Like, you yeah. had gay marriage. I think they were one of the first countries, first yeah. or second country to legalize gay marriage. And of course, I mean, um, they've always
2: been sort of this like, for some reason this kind of beacon of like uh being ahead of the times especially according here. to handmaid's tale and, yeah yeah uh, that is but you only also Canada have like your supposed you know their version of obama and justin trudeau uh in blackface so <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's not as i don't i i feel like just as an american uh, casual observer of canadian politics i think they have been just as fucked up as we are in terms of treatment of indigenous people, et cetera. Like they've got their own set of problems. So I imagine the conservatives in this sense are, don't come down on the right side of history as far as treatment of indigenous people. And treatment of, you know, basically everyone who isn't white says hat. So yeah. I, I just I, I would strongly caution you to continue a relationship with someone who identifies this way politically. Yeah. That's my
4: take. And I- like when, when shit hits the fan, you know, like when things do do go bad, like do you want to be with someone whose core core values are yeah. are things that would hurt people yeah. that I'm sure Uh, your partner has more in common
2: with Right. You guys don't align. You You don't align fundamentally in that way.
3: Yeah. I wonder too um, if being surrounded by military folks, because it sounds like Mm -hmm. they're in the military and surrounded by them, might have altered this partner's opinion because I think that sometimes when you're like just getting into politics, you could be like, what are people around me doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like they've already put a lot of work into getting them to get involved at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're like ready to be like, I don't want to do any more work, then fine. But also maybe trying to expose, like broaden your friend group. I don't know how possible that is. There's too many
2: people out there to waste your time with someone that you have to like educate that often and, and at that fundamental of a level
3: yeah yeah and
4: I, I do think because you're you're in the military, like here I am in this place of privilege where I live in New York and I can have all of my friends like I don't have a single Republican friend yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. In, in New York I don't and but when I lived in Georgia, I did not that many, but um, you know as a matter of survival you you need to get along with. <laughs> <laughs> with people with yeah. opposing views, and um, so I'm sure, like you've done a lot of mental gymnastics on your part mm-hmm. to um, to cope with you know having to be around kind of these points of view, yeah. wh- wh- which it's 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 so toxic because like here you are like having these people pretend like they they care about you or they they love you, but then they don't believe that. Um,
2: that you should not be fired from a job for your sexuality. Yeah. Which is right. ultimately what they're supporting. If they're supporting yeah. the talking points, they're supporting the ideology behind it. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I think just fucking break up with her, but that's my opinion. Sorry. Yeah, get Sorry. Out of I mean, yeah. it's too, it's just, there's too much, there, there's too much at stake. You yeah. got more witchy lives.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Contra up some <laughs> liberal ladies. Oh my
2: God. That's great.
4: Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for coming by. We're so glad that uh, you're here in New York. Yeah, and thank you so out. much for having me. This is awesome. Where can people check you out? In Chicago Uh, can, anywhere
3: else? Yeah, you can follow me and see some shirtless pics on Instagram at Shannon L. Knoll. It's N-O-L-L. Um, and in Chicago, come to Baby Wine every yes. Friday at The Annoyance. Um, and then also uh, check out my original series, Just Call Me Ripley. Um, it, you can check it out. Just call me Ripley.com.
4: Awesome. Uh, and you can follow us at Dyking Out everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TGI Carolyn. And I'm at the Sarah York. And thank you for Dyking Out with us. Dyke out with us again next week. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.